Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years' experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean, episode 96, with the marvelous MAPT team. I am Dr. Rangray, one of your co-hosts here every single day. We've got questions coming in already. Awesome. Uh, before we jump into introducing my marvelous uh, castmates here, if you want to ask a question, go over to mapped.tv and ask our question, ask your questions over there. That's where we'll pull them from. But we're here to answer all of your pre-health related questions. Uh, so if you have them, come along. Uh, Verinia Granum, how are Hello. you doing, my friend? I'm doing wonderful. Thank so you so Verinia, you are the former, former um, pre-health and STEM advisor at mm-hmm. Hofstra. Um, and now you get to hang out with us and, and uh, help us over here at MAPT, helping students on their journey, yes. editing essays, doing advising sessions, mm-hmm. answering lots. lots of questions in MAPT chat, uh, yes. all that fun stuff. And I get to do it live here with you all as well. So Live every single Wednesday. <laughs> Almost every Wednesday. Yes. Um, We are happy to have you here. Thank you. Uh, With Verena Grenham, we have Dr. Scott Wright, former director of admissions at UT Southwestern and retired executive director at TMDSAS. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, everyone out there in the pre-med world. (laughs) (laughs) So, Scott, you you have been all over the the pre-health world uh, and professional world, uh, going from medical school to pre-health advising to running a whole application service. What's your favorite part? Mm -hmm. Uh, Meeting with students is my favorite part. Um, I did that frequently at at UT Southwestern when uh, students would come in and and, uh, have questions or they were – unsuccessful in their application and so that we were you know i would give them feedback on kind of things that they could do i I enjoyed it at in my pre-med um advisor role meeting with the students and working with them over many years or you know months in the cycle to to uh put together a good application I, i i I did that some, not as much at, at TMDSAS. And, but, you know, meeting with students is the best part. Yeah. And I, Verenia, you probably agree with that. Absolutely. It's, My it's, favorite thing was just seeing them at orientation and then kind of following them through to yep. their application year and graduation. It was just so exciting oh, yeah. to see that. Yeah, their it's growth. the best part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the best part. And they were always so surprised yeah. that I remembered them from orientation. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I remember everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you are watching, come ask questions over at map.tv. That's where we pull them from. And we'll uh, we'll start answering them now. Yeah. Bernie, go ahead. 
Alrighty. Um, Jacob asks, thanks for starting us off, Jacob. In the med school app process, why is there no assessment of dexterity for applicants interested in becoming surgeons? Athletes have combines and pro days, so why don't surgeons? Ooh, so this is a little above my head, but interesting. <laughs> great so, so Jacob, they used to, right? They used to. They, they, um, Scott. I don't know if you were around the the mythical years where it's like, oh, you're a, a Gen Surge uh, uh, applicant. Suture this slice of cheese together. Have you have you heard stories like that? Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. So Never they used that. to. Um, apparently, this thing called maybe the ADA, mm-hmm. <laughs> the American <laughs> with Disabilities Act, yeah. was like, yeah, you really can't discriminate mm. based on that. So yeah. a- at the end of the day, that's probably a big part of it is um, discrimination just towards mm-hmm. uh, people with disabilities. And a lot of those people probably are self-selecting themselves out of careers that maybe they, they intrinsically know that they, they can't do. Uh, and it, it's interesting. I, I was telling uh, actually Scott and Bernie, you guys, when we were in DC together, a story of, of my good friend, Dr. Coffin in medical school, mm. <laughs> uh, which is a very unfortunate name for a doctor, but Dr. Coffin uh, had a very uh I wouldn't say a bad tremor, but he had an essential tremor. So uh, in anatomy lab, when he would go to like cut something, he had a tremor and his hand would shake. And I, I talked to him about that. I'm like, have you thought about like a career? And have you talked to people about if you want to do surgery, but can't do surgery? Um, And I I think he kind of knew, like, I'm probably not going to be a surgeon. Um, And, and at the end of the day, it's, it is what it is. Right. So, I think they they used to. They don't anymore, probably for legal reasons. And the bigger thing is in my specialty stories podcast where I get to talk to lots of deans and directors, or not deans and directors, lots of program directors of residencies and fellowships, the overwhelming answer is the technical skills can be taught. It's a question I ask almost every time uh, from a from a technical standpoint, those things can be taught. Sure, maybe some visual spatial kind of talent, uh, knowing kind of three dimensionally being able to visualize that stuff is good to have. Um, but outside of that, the the technique and hands and, and dexterity, like all of that can be taught. Yeah, and I would add to that that, Jacob, medical schools are not training surgeons. They're training doctors, uh, and the curriculum is largely the same for everyone. It is the residency program that trains Mm -hmm. surgeons. If if that kind of dexterity requirement was needed anywhere, that would be the point Mm -hmm. at at which – you know, that would come into play in a much greater way. And and this adds to the fact that, you know, you may go into the application process into medical school itself thinking, I want to be a surgeon. And the likelihood, the great likelihood is that you're going to change your mind during yeah. medical school. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Man, what is it with doctors and cutting things? That's <laughs> <laughs> how it's how we do it. You know the the uh, just just a brief one, one more thing. The the the, the dental school um, uh, test used to uh, include that they had to carve a piece of soap into a they, they would tell them carve this piece of soap into x into a whatever and uh, that was part of the test just to to 
test that kind of manual dexterity. Mm-hmm. They don't do that anymore and haven't for many, many, many years. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but that was similar kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. 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 And that, makes a little bit more sense from a mm-hmm. kind of a mm-hmm. pre-dental world because mm-hmm. all of dentistry is yes, basically that. yes absolutely working with teeth and dexterity yeah, and all that exactly. fun stuff yeah. In a very small the, space. the uh, DAT does have that kind of spatial testing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. That three-dimensional yeah. stuff. Yeah, we'd encourage students to take those types of ceramics classes, anything right, you're with your right, hands. Right. Yeah. Okay. I would I would crush those. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very good with spatial stuff. Um, all right. All right. Question from Ahmed. For this cycle, would submitting the application in the beginning of July be considered late? Hmm. Should I take this one? <laughs> You're the boss. Do what you want. Ahmed, um, it's a little bit later in the cycle to submit. Yes. Cause, and depending, I mean, I don't know if you're applying AMCAS or ACOMAS, but remember with AMCAS, it takes several weeks to be verified. So if you're submitting in July, you're not getting verified until, you know, later uh, in August, which um, puts you sort of at the tail end of things. So um, something to consider, but at the same time, you know, for whatever the reasons are, if that's when you can apply, um, just make sure that everything is solid, that you're, you know, everything has been reviewed and, and, and you're ready to apply. Um, I don't know that without knowing your situation, I don't know whether I would say wait till next year or not. Um, but generally speaking, yeah, it's a little bit um, sort of, you're kind of hitting it kind of close to be later in the cycle. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Why is yep. that? Rolling in missions, right? At the right. end of the day, yes. rolling in missions. Yes. <laughs> rolling in missions. So everyone uh, that applied back in, you know, June first or whatever has been verified and yeah, sent off. Yeah, yeah it's it's interesting. I, I heard a good quote uh, at some point that basically was applying late to medical school is your first failed med school test. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's an open book test. You know what you need to have ready to go. There's no reason to apply late other than you just weren't organized and Mm -hmm. and didn't prioritize the things that you had to do. And sure, maybe you're studying for the MCAT and you want to focus 1000% on the MCAT. I would still argue that you should use your breaks for the MCAT to work on your application. Uh, That a thousand percent of your time going into the MCAT isn't necessarily good either. And that you should take breaks and and give your brain something else to work on. So uh, yeah. And the later you get right there, I'm sure are plenty of students who get into medical school uh, who apply in July. I know TMDSAS has sometimes put out some data that shows the number of students who apply in May, June, July, August, uh, and the percentage of those students who actually get interviews and are accepted. And there is a big drop as, mm-hmm. as the months go on. Mm-hmm. So it's important. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a question for our TMDSAS expert. Uh-huh. Uh, Yusuf asks, when does the TMDSAS application open up? And can you essentially use the same activities, descriptions, and personal statement that you use for AMCAS on TMDSAS? <laughs> uh, great question. Uh, TMDSAS opens up the beginning of May. It usually it 
it's usually around May 1st. It depends a little bit on uh, what day of the week May 1st falls on, et cetera, things like that. But it's usually around the first part of May. You can find that out easily on the TMDSCS website. Um, in terms of activity descriptions and personal statements, there are different links. Uh, the personal statement for AMCAS is 5,300 characters. For TMDSCS, it's only 5,000, which is not a huge difference, but it will require a little uh, tinkering. You can use the same personal statement, of course. Activity descriptions, a whole different ballgame. Uh, AMCAS, 700 characters for the uh, activity description, TMDSAS, 300 characters, which means very, very different. Uh, you can use the same uh, the same just, you know, basic activities that you're using for e either one, uh, but you have to uh, really truncate significantly what you're saying about about the uh, activity. For TMDSAS, you really have to just stick with a, a brief description of what you did. You can't tell a story. It's, mm -hmm. it's really hard to do anything other than just a kind of curse of what that activity was about and, and you, maybe you can say a little bit about what you learned there uh, the most meaningful uh, for AMCAS 1325 characters for TMDSAS 500 characters so that's another uh, significant difference uh, again you can say the same thing Things, but to just really make uh, a, a significant changes to the length of those things, and so so there are some some pretty significant differences. Hmm. Yeah, and then one other big one is the two extra essays. The two right? extra one, essays, correct. one required and one not Optional. required, but still required. <laughs> Optional, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Uh, consider the optional essay required and, on TMTSAS. And I would I would caution trying not to to avoid writing like one um, description that you're going to use for both. I had a student do it recently, uh, and I met with her recently about it. She reapplied, and and I saw her previous application. It was an AMCAS application, but with TMDSAS character limits, and it was so obvious. Yeah, it's not good. That that's why she didn't get in. So yeah. we talked about that. So yeah. it just it just reads as lazy. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So. yep. Definitely approach both applications very in a, in, with in, a different individually. Um, correct. Individually, yes. thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. The the context uh, they they te they teach us for social media, right? You don't post the same thing on Instagram that you do on YouTube because they're right. they're different right. platforms, right. different context, uh, right. different audience there. So, right. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, here's an interesting question. Sure. So, question from Yasmin. During during my high sorry during in high school I won several state and national medals or awards such as the Purple Heart Medal. Can I add these medals to my application? I'm not sure if the Purple Heart is something you get in high school. I mean, yeah, it's probably it's not the else. Purple right. Heart. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, why not? It's in a, I I see it as it's an award. Um, it's high school though. <laughs> Yeah, right. Sorry. That's the so, problem. sorry, I just reread that. That's the problem. It's yeah. it's something you earned in high school and you really just want to focus on things that you've done in in college and beyond. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's not a technical rule, right? It's not like AMCAS, you put in dates and AMCAS is like, um, we see that this is part <laughs> of your high school time. You are not allowed to enter this. Right. It's just a general mm -hmm. rule of thumb that everyone follows. Yeah. yeah. I actually think 
I'm trying to remember now. I think TMDSAS, the application, actually blocks that. If, oh, really? You have to put in your high school graduation date. <laughs> so I think it blocks that. I, I can't remember for sure, but I think yeah. it does. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, so, Yasmin. Yasmin, yeah. sorry. It comes up a lot, uh, mm-hmm. especially with scouts. Um, mm-hmm. right. People who get Eagle Scout at 17, 18 as a senior in high school, and they want to put that on there. And it's just like, can't. Sorry. 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 Oh, oh, oh. This one comes up a lot. All right. Let's see. Amy, if I'm reapplying, is it okay to reuse the same watering uh, events as previous in previous personal statements? I want to keep one the same and we'll change the second one. Some people told me medical schools want to read something different. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Amy, you, you <laughs> do want to show, you know, you're a reapplicant. That means you've done different things since you previously applied, right? You don't want to submit the same exact essay um, or, or personal statement. You want to talk a little bit about, generally speaking, right? The, the point of the personal statement is to talk about why you want to be a doctor. And if one of those events um significantly impacted you, then you can talk about it, but update it a little bit, phrase it differently. Maybe you have a different um, uh, reflection of it now that you've had more time away from it. So uh, definitely want to present something uh, different a yeah. little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's confusing, right? Because we talk about the personal statement being, why do you want to be a doctor? And if, if I'm supposed to change why I want to be a doctor because I need to reapply, it's like, well, no, and... <laughs> it's been a year since you applied mm-hmm. last time. Do you have maybe something a little bit more meaningful from an mm-hmm. experience that you want to write about? Uh, or you're just, you've changed as a person over the last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you say things a little bit different? Can you yeah. reflect a little bit differently on, on the experiences that you've already written about to, to massage the SSM? Do we know if medical schools look back at the previous application when they have reactions? Sometimes they do. They do. Yeah. They right. can is mm-hmm. the answer, right? They can. Whether or not they do. Right. Sometimes right. I think it depends on the student and, and kind of the situation and stuff right. like that. So, but there's yeah. potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. It would be interesting, right? My assumption would be, okay, I can see this student reapplied. Um, they're applying this year with a 515. Last year they applied with a 503. Mm. That's probably why we didn't give them a deeper look last year. So I'm not even going to bother looking at the essays. Right, right. But if all things are equal, like if, if just at mm-hmm. a glance, all the stats are the same and the courses haven't been updated, I'm like, I wonder what they said last year that mm-hmm. caused them to not get this far. Yep. Uh, yep. So that, guess what? that would be an interesting. <laughs> and if it's the same thing, guess what? Yeah, it's not going to go well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that is it. Uh, we got lots of, is this clinical questions? Not I'm not going to bother uh, today, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, go to isitclinical.com and register there. We'll have some fun tool up at that uh, site soon. Um, so how do we figure this one out? All right. Hey, Tina. Most of the schools that I'm interested in have very similar mission statements. If this is the case, how do I determine which schools are the best fit for me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great question, Tina. Because yeah. it's true, right? You sort of start to see that they all have the same mission st- or similar mission statements. Right. Yeah. Scott, you, you interface a lot with uh, many medical schools mm-hmm. as the uh, executive director at TMDSAS. 
how do schools figure out their mission statements and do they like when they would all gather, would they like have a little meeting of the minds and go, okay, like we're going to say this in our mission statement. Like you stay away from that language. No, 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 that that doesn't happen. (laughs) No, you know, I think that mission statements are, are more broad thing across the medical school. Uh, You know, the institution is doing it uh, with help of, high level deans, presidents, you know, you know, faculty committees and chairs and stuff like that, that, that determine what their mission statement is going to be or what their values are going to be or, or whatever. And, um, and, and I think th- the reason why often they look the same is because if you think about it, the mission of these institutions is very similar. They're, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, of course, these uh, these statements are going to be, you know, very commonly similar. Mm-hmm. Tina, I think that one of the things that you want to do, because if you just go to their admissions website, that's not, you know, it, it's helpful, but it's not it's not the full picture of what this medical school is all about. You have to poke around in the entirety of the website and really dig down in the website and see what are they doing? What, what's, what kind of research is going on here? What kind of, what kind of uh, connection do they have to the community? What, you know, depending on what you're looking for in a medical school uh, will dictate that a little bit and, and really get deep into those websites. And you're going to run into a lot of password protected things and stuff. But, you know, if you do that, just, just, you know, back out of it and go somewhere else and, and just spend some time really digging down in, into there. And, but you have to have a good sense of what you're looking for first mm-hmm. before you can uh, really see if, if a medical school has that. So I think for every applicant, they should determine what are they looking for in a medical school, X, Y, you know, what A, B, C, D, E, whatever, um, just uh, line out what curricularly, what, what, what do you want to see? What, what really is your style of learning and, and what med schools fit there? Uh, you know, things like that. You've got to have a good sense of that before you can go and look at these med schools and really feel where, it, where the fit might occur. Yeah. At the end of the day, it was interesting. This is the first time I've thought about this type of uh, kind of analogy of going to this, the school's website, trying to figure out mission. And as you said, Scott, right, the school's job is to train future physicians. And that's going to be the same everywhere. And a lot of big academic medical centers are there to serve underserved areas and Mm -hmm. Uh, get federal funding and, and government funding for that. Um, it's it's like trying to, if you were like a, a major league baseball uh, prospect, you're like, well, what team do I want to go to? Let me go. Let me go look at the the Reds. Well, it looks like they they say they want to win a national championship. Let me go look at the uh, the the Rays. Well, they say they want to win a national championship too. Like I don't know how I'm supposed to decide. Um, so it's yeah. it's interesting. At the end of the day. Uh, the institutions are there to do very, very, very similar things. Mm-hmm. And so you have to go kind of one step, two steps beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Good question, though. Yeah, that's a good question. Always a good question. Um, upward trend question. Hmm. Question from another Amy. Should I not reapply to schools that told me my GPA is low when I asked for feedback? I have a 3.4 strong upward trend, 4.0 in post back with 30 science credits, but some schools said they recommend SMP. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
Yeah. So uh, let me lead with this one because mm-hmm. um, I asked at the, the, the med school fair for the osteopathic medical schools a week ago. Um, I, I signed in under an alias, a secret, <laughs> a secret name. And one of the, uh, one of the directors of admissions who I'm friends with was, was talking uh, and she was talking about the cutoffs that they have at their medical school. And it's a 3.0 GPA. I think human and science and a 496, I think was their, their minimum cutoff for MCAT. And so I asked the question, I was like, what if I have less than a 3.0, but my last 50 credits are a 4.0? And her response, doesn't matter. We don't look at trends. And so this is the frustrating part of this process. Every medical school is different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every medical school admissions committee has a different process with how they evaluate students. And so on the MAPS app platform, we allow you to look at your GPA in lots of different ways. And we love looking at trends. We talk about trends all the time because lots of schools are okay with upward trends with lower GPAs, Mm -hmm. but not every school is. Mm -hmm. And so Amy, for you, if you were told by some schools and, and they knew explicitly 3.4 GPA, but uh, 40, uh, 30 credits at a 4.0, and they still said, yeah, you should probably do an SMP, then that's probably the answer. Yep. That they're not going to take a look mm-hmm. at you, even with that upward trend. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. So, yeah. So the answer to your question is I wouldn't apply there. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, a good question that uh, we need to, to just highlight the, the C minus and prereqs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Natalie asks, I got a C minus in my OCHEM 1 lab. Should I retake it? I got an A plus on my OCHEM 2 lab. Yeah, sorry, Natalie. So C minus is not a passing grade, regardless yeah. of how you did uh, in the second part or in the second, um, in the second lab, you will have to retake that. Mm-hmm. It's not considered a, a, a passing grade for medical school prereqs. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. unfortunately. And just to show off... Um, to show off mapped app here. So when students use uh, mapped app, uh, they enter their courses. What will happen if you have a prereq, as you see here under freshman chemistry, I'll zoom in a little bit uh, under freshman chemistry, this grade is a C minus. Um, and it's, it's at the university of Georgia. So it's even worse. Cause I see minus at university of Georgia is like an F at Florida. Cause you know, the, <laughs> 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 it's, it's not as rigorous, um, oh, but you can see yeah. this little red, like, Hey, and it says, because of your grade, this may not fulfill your prereq check with your advisor and or target med schools. The far, far, far majority, if not all medical schools, don't consider a C minus passing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even and if you got an A plus on the yeah. follow up mm-hmm. class. Yep. And for those of you from the University of Georgia, Ryan's cell phone number <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure they can find him. I <laughs> called YouTube. <laughs> uh, yeah, about that. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, here's here's another one, right? Kind of playing off of that, the whole depends mm-hmm. on the school, what grade you're going to get. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, question from Vrishank. Uh, I'm currently headed to U Chicago as a transfer student. I'm a little scared because U Chicago is known to deflate grades and be tougher on students. Do medical schools take this into consideration? I personally not- did not know this about U Chicago. <laughs> that this was a thing, but um, but no. I, I think every student who goes to a hard school is like they deflate grades here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, medical schools will not take that into consideration. No, not I'm largely. No. no, I mean there. No. You know, there may be some. You know, very subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, point at an admissions committee me- meeting where they're discussing, and they say, "Well, you know, and you know, that's you, Chicago." So, but. Yeah. Generally speaking, and no, they're not gonna. Yeah, and there's no there's no formulaic uh, algorithm that alters your GPA based on your major or based on where you went to school. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, and so and those conversations, those more detailed conversations, typically will happen after lots of rounds of review and okay, let's bring him in for an correct. interview and all this stuff. So right. it's not That's like your final stages. You, yeah. yeah. Your 3.4 is not going to get you off of the hook and get you an interview when everyone else needs a 3.7, just because yeah. you went to U Chicago. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. And, and I think at the end of the day, so a lot of students and a lot of parents actually, cause I'm in a lot of parent groups now, Parents start talking about this. It's like, well, should I, should I send my student there? I heard this about you, Chicago, and they deflate grades and this and that. And and I still think the answer at the end of the day is is a student should go to the school where they think they will do the best personally, like from a from just a enjoyment standpoint, a happiness standpoint, just thriving and and the 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 network that they want to have and the community they want to have around them and if the school is known to deflate, deflate grades a little bit. Okay. And like, just work a little bit harder. Maybe, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just part of the game. And it's one of the reasons uh, why, and I'll, I'll probably um, shoot myself in the foot for saying this because it, it's a feature and mapped at some point. I think I want to build in, but sites like rate my professor. Oh God. Students, students try to play this game of like, oh, I'm going to go to this professor and that professor because they are they're the easier professor. And like, if you're trying to like life doesn't work that way. (laughs) So stop trying to game the system. The nightmares. I have PTSD from rate my professor because I would have students. I would help them create a beautiful schedule. (laughs) And then they would go and look up the professor's rating and want to change everything based on that. (sighs) Yeah. Gosh. Anyway. Yep, yep, yep. Um, all right. I always wondered why they didn't ask on rate my professor, or maybe they do. What grade did you make in the class? Yeah, That'd I be think good. they share that. Um, do they? Yeah, and then if it's a low grade, they'll say it was you know the professor's fault. But right, of course, it's always the professor's. Fault. Of course, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, right. but I, I think I think it's an interesting feature that that students want and like. Um, and so built into mapped at some point, I think, I think it, it should be there because students like it. And how do we add context around that? Mm-hmm. All right. Good point. Um, all right. So here's a question. We were actually talking about this with some of the new mapped features, which I can show students in a second. Sure. Tristan asks, uh, or says he's a huge fan. Thank you. I had a question about MCAS classification for classes. Very timely. I took a grad class where I taught, uh, taught undergrad physiology. Since the content is technically greater than 60% bio, could I market a bio class? 
Mm-hmm. So, Scott, <laughs> the, the well, class is a graduate level class. Mm-hmm. Do graduate level classes count as prereqs? No. Yeah. No. And it's not going to count in the undergrad uh, GPA if it's a grad class. Right. But even, a, even as a grad class, you still have to categorize and classify them as whether they're, you know, whatever they are. And so, so Dristen, what I would say to you is you market the way you think it it is. You know, if you feel like this is a bio class mm-hmm. because of the content and stuff, then market is a bio class. And if and then AMCAS is in the process of verifying your application and devalidating it and all that, in that processing, they are going to, you know, if they don't agree with that, they'll they'll make a change. Mm-hmm. So I I want to Dig a little bit deeper on that question. Do graduate level courses count as prereqs? What if a student does an SMP? They were a history major, didn't take any sciences, and they go do an SMP. Well, that's that's different. I think medical schools see that as different. If it's an SMP that is designed for, for example, for second career people who have no background in science, uh, then that's that's kind of a different. That's the way it's structured. That's why it's structured in that way, et cetera. Um, I think that, um, you know, what what I see, what I have seen in the past is that is more frequent is. You know, somebody had a uh, major in, you know, engineering or something, didn't have any, if uh, whatever, biology. They went and took uh, a a graduate level class because they're a graduate student in uh, uh, chemistry and engineering, and they took a graduate class in bio. That's not going to work for their their purposes. Yeah. So I I think – we can't broadly say graduate level c- classes don't count as prereqs or can't count as prereqs because I think it just depends on the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I would say generally they don't. Yeah. But sp- when you look at specific situations and, and, and medical schools have the ability to say, OK, we'll accept this. You know, yeah. if they if they look at it, you know, we can th- their even their material may say undergraduate classes only. But if you make the case before them, they have the power to do whatever they want do it's their institutions yeah. so they can they can say okay we'll we'll, we'll take that yeah so a, a deeper thought here is that uh, the classification of courses can get very confusing for students mm-hmm. and this comes up a lot uh, historically i see with exercise physiology also mm-hmm. known as kinesiology majors and courses mm-hmm. for some mm-hmm. silly reason AMCAS says kinesiology is kind of a non-science class course. Mm -hmm. If you go look at a course classification guide. Right. A lot of the kinesiology classes are physiology classes. Yeah. So I'm like, that's that's science. Like you you can't argue against me that that's not science. And so I always tell students, you can't just look at the, 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 classification of the course whether it's kinesiology or if it's a biology course right it's it has the bio kind of course classification uh code but it's writing about biology is is the actual course that's not a biology course Mm -hmm. even though it's a bio Mm -hmm. course number 
So it takes some critical thinking and, and some thought process on your side of things to figure out what really is this. And so that leads into looking at uh, an update of mapped uh, that we have this last week where now in mapped uh, because we have student courses here, and you can see this fulfills prereqs section, uh, this drop down here. When you are entering your courses, you have the ability, and Maps will try to predict what it is just based on some some naming of classes. So when this student entered general biochemistry, Maps said, "Hey, this is a biochemistry course," right, and and selected it accordingly, and. That then translates into the dashboard where we have some general prereqs, uh, kind of the, the most standard ones that most schools have. And we can see what's going on here. And we see uh, in our med school list, which is brand new, the school list here. So when you, when you pop up here, these are all of the schools that this student, this demo account has flagged as like, Hey, these are the schools that I'm interested in applying to. And I can quickly look on the side here that I haven't met the prereqs for any of them yet. I'm still shy. And then we have Creighton where it says zero. So Creighton may be a, an outlier where there are no prereqs and that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a bug that we'll just have to figure out what's going on there. Um, but the, if we look at university of Alabama, Birmingham, we can see that this student, these are the required prereqs based on this source. And it's a link to the website where we pulled all of this data from. And it says, hey, you need two semesters of biology. You need one semester of biochemistry. You need two semesters of physics. And it tells me, what have I met? What haven't I met? And this should hopefully let students understand like, uh uh-oh, whatever school requires statistics, I don't want to take statistics. I'm not going to add that school to my list. So um, hopefully we'll give more insights and more power to students to, to pick the schools uh, based on actual data yeah. of what, what they have going on. Yeah. Uh, and that's built into Mapped. It's free, part of the free plan on Map. So everyone should go ma- uh, get Mapped. If you want to uh, use Mapped Pro, you can um, check it out. Use it for 30 days uh, using the the referral code there. 30 days free at mapped.com. So, <clears throat> lots of fun stuff. Cool. All right, let's uh, continue diving into some more questions. Let me see. Um, this comes up a lot, especially, uh, kind of COVID post COVID world that we live in. Yeah. Okay. Question from Thomas. How do med schools feel about online courses taken after 2021? I want to take the rest of my degree online because of time I don't have to spend driving to school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Thomas, I mean, it, <laughs> COVID showed us that it's possible to take online classes, right, and do well in these classes. Um, The material is certainly still the same, if not more challenging. Um, But I think that, I think schools are still going to decide what they're going to decide, whether or not they're, they're, 
going to accept it or not. And if you go to their websites, you might even see some schools actually specify whether or not they accept online classes. So doing your research, looking at the schools that you're interested in in applying and checking to see if they accept those. Um, I think my hope is that that kind of changes as we move uh, further and further along. Um, but, but the answer is it's, it's still up in the air. Mm-hmm. It is up in the air. So, yeah. So one school that I know of specifically uh, Hopkins, actually. So Mm -hmm. obviously well-known medical school Mm -hmm. has specifically stated on their website that their online policy has changed Mm -hmm. before. I don't think they accepted online courses Mm -hmm. or maybe it was case by case. Obviously with COVID, they had to accept Mm -hmm. online courses and they said, why do we have this arbitrary rule that students can't take online courses? And they've changed it that said, we accept online courses no matter when you've taken them, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah, like, hey, it is awesome. Progress. Yeah. And reasonable. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, we're checking our biases at the door yeah. and going, why, do, why have we always said this? Mm-hmm. We as a medical school taught our medical students <laughs> online and it worked. Yeah. So why do we care if, if prereqs or any classes are done online? No, amazing, right? Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> so hopefully they follow suit. Yes, <laughs> hopefully they do. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> Question from Perea, maybe. I'm sorry. What would you consider is the appropriate level of storytelling? Someone should deliver in their personal statement. Someone's been following us. <laughs> I worry. I worry. About, I worry about being boring, but I also don't want to propose a narrative. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, storytelling, right? So this is your personal statement. It's not a novel. It's not a creative writing piece. When we talk about telling a story, is just talking about an, an experience or an activity that you had um, and, and in a way that emotionally connects to the reader, right? And that's not necessarily a fictional um, narrative, right? It's just talking about what happened, but in, a, in not just like a dry and boring description. And I did this and I did this and they did that, they did, you know, it's more about this is what happened. This is what was happening in, at, around it. What I was thinking, what I was feeling around this time, how I, you know, how it impacted me, how, what impact I had on that person. So to say that there's a level, I don't know that I can quantify it. I can just say that it's not a creative writing piece. Obviously this is your, your experience. Um, you just want to connect with the reader emotionally what were you, what were your feelings around that event and not just kind of a boring you know step one step two this is what happened did i do okay dr gray <laughs> well dr Wright, what do you what do you think <laughs> so, the the typical the typical issue we see is students going overboard mm. without one very important mm. next step what's that next step that students often forget about would they go a little bit too in depth with stories they miss the depth of understanding and meaning. What's the value of this to you? What, what did this mean to you? Why, why are you telling me this? Yeah. Uh, that reflection, the reflection part. That's, that's the key. And, And that, in my view, that's the difference between a good essay and a great essay, Mm. a great personal statements, 
get down underneath an event or an experience and look at why was this. It's the difference between, and I've said this many, many times, it's the difference between what and so what. Uh, the what is the story. The what is the experience and your description of it. The so what is what difference does it make? Why are you telling me this as opposed to any other story uh, that you could tell me? Yep. yep. Exactly. Good, good. Okay. Lulu. Lulu. If you submitted your primary, but things came up and you submitted no secondaries and also didn't upload all LORs, are you still considered a reapplicant? Yeah. yeah, you submitted your primary, Lulu. So yeah, that that starts the ball rolling. Yep, easy yeah. as pie. Yep. We don't have our MCAT expert here uh, today. She's not mm-hmm. feeling very well, Rachel. You were missed, but uh, yes. got a good MCAT question here. All right, Michaela, my MCAT breakdown is one twenty nine, one twenty five, one thirty, one thirty. I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled about my score, five fourteen, because it was my retake, and I went from a four ninety eight. Wow, excellent, great, Michaela. Ooh, but I'm wanting to know if if schools will be okay with a one twenty five in in cars. Yeah. Yeah, I think some of those, you know, I and I, I feel like we say this a lot, but. It depends. <laughs> it depends on the school. And some schools probably are going to be like, oh, you know, that's that's a kind of low. Now, I, having said that, I think that many schools, uh, many medical schools recognize that if there's any commonality in terms of lower sections cars is going to be it you know that's the section that a lot of students struggle on uh that a lot of students have a little bit lower score on that if they're going to have a a lower score on anything it it, Mm. it often is that so it but it 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 really does depend on the medical school and on kind of what they what their own deal is and 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 that is often dictated by whoever's in charge of their process either the chair of the committee on admissions or the dean or director of admissions is going to kind of set the tone for how they're going to uh, how they're going to respond to that that sort of you know profile. The question I think is what what's your option here? I, I don't really recommend retaking the MCAT mm-hmm. again for one section mm-hmm. score. So I think you know I, I think you've got a good solid total score. I would go for it with that score. And uh, and if a medical school is going to reject you because of that, so be yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I my personal opinion is that this whole unbalanced MCAT score stuff, especially having one twenty fives and above in all of your sections, it's it's an overblown conspiracy yeah. theory amongst pre meds. Like, oh, it's, I, I agree. It's, and, it's bad. And at the end of the day, like you can't. There's nothing you can do. Will there be a school that maybe? has a cutoff and says no we're not interested Maybe. well you you can uproot but, your life and not apply to medical school and try to retake it and yeah, spend lots of money on car tutoring you and could. Uh, or, yeah. or you can count on having a strong application and another yeah. another school yeah. here's here's the good news here's the good news uh because the vanity of u.s news and world reports medical schools report stats that's one of the mm-hmm. the the parts of the methodology is what is your MCAT score for students? What is your GPA for students? Uh, the average GPA and, and MCAT right. score for the students that matriculated uh, or were accepted. 
they're not asking about subsections. They're nope. just asking for total score on U.S. News and World Report. So yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's a uh, that's a point for not caring about the subsections as yeah. much as the overall score. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and Lulu would like to know what Michaela's ways are. <laughs> <laughs> what, are just ways? Like, what are your ways? Show us your ways. Okay. Bruno would like to know. The pre-med advisor said. We don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> oh, no. No, no. <laughs> we'll talk about this, Bruno. All right. The pre-med advisor said clinical in a pediatric setting wasn't good enough. That I should have had adult <laughs> clinical too. I'm sorry. Should I start a last-minute adult clinical for this cycle? So, so here's here's we maybe, maybe we won't talk about so, Bruno. So I read this when when I put it up there. I thought it said podiatric setting. Oh. And I'm like, okay, that's an interesting question. If I saw that it said pediatric, like I wouldn't have thrown it up there because that's just terrible advice. That is, yeah, it's awful advice. advice. Yeah, awful Pe- advice. those pediatricians are just—they're not real. They're not real doctors. They're children just like, are not people. You know. Oh what? my god! What horrible Sorry. advice! Sorry. I mean, the, the logical end of that is you get into adult medicine, and oh, I'm sorry—you only saw primary care adult medicine. Right. You need to go and get. Something with that is specialty adult. Medicine, yeah, you know? yeah. No, and then and then you go and do GI. Like, oh, I'm sorry, you only saw the inside of people. You should you should look at the outside of them too. Here's a secret: people are just children that are bigger. Adults are just bigger children. I can some more so than in other cases. Uh, I can verify. I can verify. Uh, (laughs) Someone is having fun uh, posting inappropriate comments Uh later. Very fun to read, but uh, (laughs) um, so so this is kind of a follow up to to what we were saying earlier about like you Chicago. Brandon asks, so a B at an Ivy League is the same as a B at a state school. Why go to an Ivy League? (laughs) <laughs> Mostly rhetorical question. That is the question. That is the question. Yeah. Why? We we put these schools up on a pedestal. And mm-hmm. if you have bigger aspirations and the school's not going to support you in a way that you're going to thrive at the school and you're just doing it for the name recognition, but it's going to hurt your GPA, mm-hmm. why? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Why? Yeah. Okay. Um, here's a question, Scott, that you may be able to help Raquel answer. Yeah. How do, sorry, how do med students afford housing if they aren't working? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And, uh, it's called financial aid. Mm -hmm. Uh, the financial aid, um, the financial aid package from a, a given medical school is going to consider a variety of things in, ter- in terms of how much you need to attend that medical school. And that includes uh, housing as a part of that, as a part of that evaluation. It also yep. is different for different areas of the country, no, r- recognizing that uh, it costs more to live in one, in one state or in one area of a state than it does in another. And so that's going to be adjusted depending on the, uh, the amount, but the the cost of attendance, and, and Ryan's got the, a good uh, example up there. UT Southwestern, it's going to dictate a variety of things that they're going to include, which is books and and uh, living expenses and stuff like that. 
Yeah. So, so the answer is the cost of attendance is what dictates the loans that you take out. It's Correct. not just tuition. Right. So the, the school understands that you need to eat, you need to see a roof over your head, you need uh, transportation costs, all of that fun stuff. Uh, and so uh, a lot of people will go, oh, it's really cheap to go to medical school in Texas. It's only $23,000, but you're actually taking out 55000 in loans every year to, right. to, to live. get through medical school. So right. um, that's a, a, I wouldn't call it a dirty little secret about the whole loan process and medical school costs, but that's just, it's a bigger picture that most students don't think about. Right. Right. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, let's get one more question here. Da, 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 da. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> let's do this one. We're, we're right around this time where students are thinking about this kind of thing. Sure. Question from Ahmed. Hi, thanks for being here for us. You're welcome, Ahmed. It is a good idea to submit my application. Is it a good idea to submit my application without my MCAT score in order to have my application processed early and have my MCAT score entered not much later? Is it a good idea? Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. You, you do not need your MCAT Definitely. score to submit your application. You need yep. personal statement. One school. You actually don't need that. You can leave a blank if you want. <laughs> you need all your demographic information. You need your transcript information. You need um, a personal statement, ideally, all of your extracurricular activities and descriptions and, and, and all of that. Uh, and then you need at least one school to apply to. Letters of recommendations, MCAT score, all that stuff can come later. Yeah, and and I thought I saw this earlier in the comments. Um, don't consider that school a throwaway school. That's mm-hmm. a school that no yeah. matter what, if I you get ex- if you get accepted, that you would be willing to go there. This yep. isn't a throwaway yeah. anything. The, right. the throwaway, uh, Vrini, do you know why they they use a throwaway school? Why they assume that you should just use the throwaway school? I, don't, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know. It's, what. it's the fear of being labeled a reapplicant to a school. Oh. And it's just oh. like, it's, it's an unfounded fear. So. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. I think university of Florida is the throw. Right? <laughs> that the, that's the general th- throwaway school. Oh no. Oh. <laughs> He's having technical difficulty. <laughs> we don't talk about Ryan. Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. Well, everyone, it's been a wonderful Ask the Dean episode 96. We have four more till the great 100. Uh, we'll have some fireworks, some celebrations <laughs> during that time. Verinia Granham, Dr. Scott Wright, uh, myself and Rachel, who's not here today we're all available for some one-on-one advising if you have questions about this process um me less so than than uh, other people just with everything else i got going on but um we are available to help you whether it's essay editing uh mock interviews all of that fun stuff so go check it all out at maps.com and go get that free 30-day trial of mapped pro over at map.com as well using that 30 days free promo code and uh, we'll see you next week here at 1 p.m. Eastern every Wednesday or most Wednesdays. Have a great day. Bye everybody. Bye. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. 
track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.